0: Head out Thursday night to the Carolina Ale House in Garner, which is where our good friend Tim Donnelly, who joins me here in studio, will be, and he'll be giving away tickets down there. You're going to have, like, 30 tickets to give away.
1: We, we do it essentially every, like, six to eight minutes. We, we give away another Jeez. pair. So uh, if you don't win, stick around and stay at uh, Ale House because we'll have more every six to eight minutes. There you go,
0: Thursday night. So Tim's here to talk a little bit about the NFL, the combine underway mm-hmm. in Indianapolis today we're expected to hear for the first time beyond the uh, catchphrases and we need no more dogs from Dan Morgan and, and Dave Canales the first time they're really going to dig deep at least we think they're going to dig deep what are you hoping that they will say to the media and to the fans today about really what their plans are going to be as they start this new adventure together
1: well first of all I do think we'll get a fair share of catchphrases and we <laughs> okay. want dogs and right. we want alignment. Uh, but mixed in, I, I mean, all, all you want to hear is a plan, more specifically a plan for for Bryce Young. What does he need? The reason why Canales is here is because he you know, turned around Geno Smith's career and then he turned around Baker Mayfield's career, and now you're bringing him in again to be the quarterback doctor. And that's not just, like, calling plays and coaching him up. That's also, you know, Geno Smith had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett Baker Mayfield had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, or Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, however you want to put them in an order. You look at the Panthers, and it's like, okay, what's your plan to surround him with some some better talent? How much is going to be the draft? How much is going to be free agents? Is there a trade that that you might be cooking on? And I'm sure we'll get generics, but I, I want to see, I want to hear that, like, you know, it's that the the nonverbal communication, that they're confident in what they're doing and they have a plan rather than just flying by the seat of their pants.
0: All right, NFL Combine underway in Indianapolis. Lots of storylines coming out of that. Uh, Also, the storylines about quarterbacks, who's going to throw, who's not going to throw. One of the guys that we're seeing a lot of getting – apparently people are starting to dunk quite a bit (laughs) on Carolina quarterback Drake May. Drake spoke to Adam Schefter on his podcast this morning. We have a little clip of that where he talks about the work that he's putting in prior to the draft, prior to the Combines, and that he's doing it, and Carolina fans may love or hate this, He's doing it with Phillip Rivers. He well, loves to compete. You know, he's out there with throwing, you know, you know, six-step outs like a 10-yard drill throwing in the net, and uh, shoot, he retired for two, you know, two or three years ago, and he, he still won the competition, so he's just a competitor, um, and just <laughs> not like that, he's just one of the guys, he gets along with people so well, and uh, knows the game. Um, he's a little bit in the digit system, you know, with with San Diego, so just picking his brain on that, I know he's a little bit different systems than the NFL, so just trying to just trying to be a sponge, ask him questions, ask him what it likes. I think the biggest thing about Phil was he stayed healthy for so long through his career. You know, such a long career, and I think he played 17 games for, like, I don't know, some crazy stat, 15 straight years or something. So uh, just speaking about how he stayed healthy, and, uh, you know, he's a big dude like me, so just trying to, you know, kind of find ways to, you know, relate to him and, uh, you know, both ACC guys. I know he went to the wrong school in the ACC, but, uh, you know, some of that same stuff. So just, um, just trying to pick his brain, one of the great quarterbacks. What do you make of that, Tim? First blush, hearing that for the first time.
1: First, first blush is he had to say that last part, right? He that was right, that yeah. was a hat tip to all the Carolina fans out there, uh, but also he admitted Philip Rivers won the competition, so hat tip to all the NC State <laughs> fans out there. Um, I like it from Drake May, uh, and, and by the way, I think you know him going on the Adam Schefter podcast. That's a play from his agents. You you said it. He's getting dunked on by analysts all over the place with stuff that we've never heard before which tells me it's prospect fatigue, right? It's not like Carolina was playing under a rock this year. They were playing, and we were all watching, and right. now suddenly everyone has a problem with the way he plays or his ball placement or, or any of these things. It's it's just prospect fatigue. He's been an elite prospect for two years now, uh, and he was a like a mystery elite prospect before that, uh, backing up Sam Howe. So, you know, the, the, you know, I said this on my show. This this next, I, I actually said it when there were 100 days before the draft. I was like, these 100 days are going to be the most annoying of his professional sports career because or of his sports career because as an athlete, you're used to having like a game on Saturday to prove everybody wrong, right? On Monday, they say, this is what you did on Sunday. Uh, so bad. It's so bad. By Wednesday, they're saying, you're not going to be able to do it against this defense. By Friday, you're locked in. And then Sunday, you get to go out on the field and actually – prove them right or wrong right you get to go settle it on the field it's why we have scoreboards it's awesome for the next however many days until the draft people are just going to nitpick him and say everything that's wrong with his film and say oh he's actually not that mobile oh have you seen jaden daniels he's so much faster oh caleb williams is so much better in improv situations and and there's really no game he can go say watch this and and that's got to be unbelievably frustrating so his agents are going to do things like Send him to the Adam Schefter podcast or put him in favorable situations where he can kind of explain himself a little bit and and not have to, you know, just let the narrative be, you know, uh, Kurt Benkert, former backup quarterback in the NFL, uh, thinks he's a second round pick and equated him to Mason
2: Rudolph with a less strong
1: arm like that doesn't have to be the narrative when you can go control it like this.
2: Tim Donnelly, host of The Drive with Tim Donnelly from 3 to 6 right here on 999 The Fan. Speaking of podcasts, if you ever missed the show live, check out the Best of the Drive podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Tim, simply put, how funny is it going to be when Sam Howell and Drake May are both playing quarterbacks for the Washington Commanders this season? They're kind of doing the Spider-Man meme well, pointing <laughs> each other up. You're starting this week. No, you're starting this week.
1: Uh, well, I was thinking of when, when Drake May, you just played the clip of him working with Phillip Rivers. I thought, like, wow, he couldn't find a pro Tar Heel to to work with. Ah, and then fair. I was like, wait, Sam Howell's not going to go out there and help him too much. There's a good chance they're in the same quarterback room <laughs> next year. They could have
2: hit up Marquise Williams.
1: Marquise Williams. Mitch Trubisky's looking for a job, so he's got his own own stuff going right. on. Um, the, the Sam Howell-Drake May equivalency is is fascinating because um, Sam Howell, you know, he was a bit more accomplished in college, and he had the three years as a starter, and some of his advanced analytics were better. But what he's not is, you know, 6'4", 230 with, with the laser rocket arm and all that. So Drake May physically is a better prospect, but I actually think there's a lot of stuff Sam Howell could teach him from his two years of experience in the pros and, and even going further back than that just from an experience standpoint.
0: Tim Donnelly, host of The Drive, joining us here on next up. Uh, Tim, with the moments we have left, they're a lot of reports about this being a rich running back free agent class. Mm. The R- pan- rich
1: is is maybe in talents, not in in pocketbook. No, maybe not. Yeah, we have <laughs> it's the the line for
0: major league, right? We have high priced talent. You know, mm. and we forgot about Dorn because he's just high priced. But there are a lot of running backs that are talking about getting moved around and and stuff, and the rumors start clearing up about. We have a new salary cap genius, so to speak, with Carolina. Are they able, or do you think it would be worth their while to dip their toe into that market, considering what they have available to them?
1: Not unless there is the the you know most clearance rack special of all time.
0: Uh, Ezekiel Elliott turned out to be that guy.
1: If if there's yeah, I, w- I would wait till it all shakes out because there's going to be you know the Josh Jacob, the Saquon Barkley, the Derrick Henry the Tony Pollard, all of these guys that we're now hearing are not going to be franchise tagged. They're going to go fill a lot of spots, and if you can find somebody trustworthy, veteran, um, maybe not what they once were but still really good for super cheap, that could help out Bryce Young because that's what this whole offseason is about is helping out Bryce Young. What I wouldn't do is go spend enough money there that you have to take from another position group. If you're you're spending money on a running back and you already spent a little on on Miles Sanders – uh, and that means you can't go get who you want at offensive guard. You can't go get who you want at wide receiver or tight end. I'm not making that decision at all. If there's, you know, some couch cushion change that you can go get a good running back for, uh, I'll never turn that down. But there's there's so many other priorities on this team.
0: Well, you know, Carolina Panthers fans have been screaming to the high, hell, high hills, uh, make it make sense. That actually made it make sense, Tim. Tim Donnelly of The Drive, 3-6 to six every afternoon here on 99.9 The Fan. Appreciate you, friend. Thank you very much.
2: I'm Graham Hill with three things you need to know right now from 999 The Fainless Hockey Night in Carolina. Well, technically Minnesota. As the Hurricanes are back in action tonight to begin a two-game midweek road trip as they face the Wild for a special 8 p.m. start time, which means our pregame coverage begins at 7.30 with Stormwatch hosted by Adam Gold. NC State men's basketball travels to Tallahassee to face Florida State tonight at 9 p.m. You can listen to that game on our sister station, Mix 101.5 with pregame coverage beginning at 8 p.m. After the Carolina Hurricanes game tonight, tune in to the Canes Corner podcast live on 99.9, the fan's YouTube page, hosted by Adam Gold. The podcast will also be available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Find these stories and much more on SportsFan.com. Next up, we play in the sandbox.
0: The longtime head coach of NC Central football, Trey Oliver, is mad. I'm going to keep in that the kindest sense possible. Uh, over the weekend, the HBCU Legacy Bowl was played, showcased for black colleges and uh, graduating seniors looking to play at the next level in the NFL. Oliver sent his two-time MEAC Player of the Year to the game, Davis Richard. Also, he was Black College player, Offensive Player of the Year this year as well. He ran on a play near the goal line and scored the first points of the All-Star game. However, defender fell on him and dislocated his right ankle. Trey Oliver, not happy, posting yesterday, quote, I promise he would not have played if I knew that those blank coaches were going to run him. Again, I'm trying to keep this kind for the ears in the audience. He should have never left the pocket. You want to run? Hand it off to these All-American backs. Make it make sense. It's the one question we've all had about All-Star games, right? The Senior Bowls, even the NFL uh, Pro Bowl, they've changed formats. Now, there are showcases, right? The Senior Bowl is is a showcase where it just turns into throwing competitions everyone Stands up on the line, they sort of block, it turns into kind of a a a rougher two hand touch more than anything else, because we are talking about showcases. In this instance, where Richard is arguably one of the best quarterback, I just say quarterbacks, one of the best quarterback prospects to come out uh in coming into this draft and was going to be, at least should have been prior to this dislocated right ankle. Uh, the first HBCU quarterback to be picked in the NFL in 18 years. You can see why Oliver's mad, because he saw it. And I think we all saw it over the season for the Eagles. We saw it last season uh, on national TV with the Celebration Bowl win over Jackson State. He is not happy. Now, we're hearing four to six months, so training camps could be kind of a, a weird bit for him, but everyone clearly thought that, because he was getting comparisons to Jackson, we'll see what his value uh, s- slides down because they won't get a better look at him or if they're able just to go off his tape. And I'm sure Trey Oliver, again, how mad he is, will be the first guy to pick up the phone for anyone that wants to call and ask about Richard's prospects at the next level.
2: Yeah, it just kind of feels like a black stain, unfortunately, for everything that Richard's in. What he accomplished with North Carolina Central, as you mentioned, back to the Cricket Bowl last year with a win over Jackson State, and then another successful season under Trey Oliver. Um, you know, you hope it's not anything serious, and hopefully this doesn't affect his draft spot, his draft stock too much because it would be cool to, one, as you mentioned, to be a highly-prospected quarterback coming out of an HBCU, but also just with the North Carolina ties. You want to see a guy like him succeed at the next level.
0: He's been doing it so far, so hopefully he'll uh... – He'll heal up quickly. Prayers up for you, man, and hopefully you do well, and maybe we'll get a chance to check in on you before camp, see where you end up landing. I hope someone just after the draft during the draft goes, this guy's worth using a pick, using a pick, and it would uh, be good, but you, you know you got your coach uh, stumping for you right now. All right, out west, you know, you don't want to root for the downfall of a town when it comes to professional sports, but perhaps for the folks, for the MLB Kind of campaigns to here in the Triangle and Raleigh and to Charlotte. This might be better news. The Oakland A's, and it was approved by the owners, they were going to move to Las Vegas. The deal is that the process isn't smooth and they don't have a place to play. Uh-oh. For about three years. It's the last year that they're going to have in Oakland this year. They could re-sign, but they're not dumping any more money into the pit that is the Coliseum in Oakland. They they need a new building there, too. That place is junk. Uh, they're going to move to Las Vegas. They're looking for temporary homes because there's a deal to build a stadium, but about one-fifth of that money is coming from public funding. They're going to get official opposition to that funding. The Nevada State Education Association represents teachers and educators. shouldn't come as a surprise. They're going to file an injunction when it looks like there's going to be action in terms of starting to build the stadium because they're saying this money is unconstitutionally being given to this project. And the quotes coming from this organization in Nevada are not kind. Quote, we're not relying on John Fisher. He's the owner of the Oakland A's. John Fisher's ineptitude to kill this deal, but it doesn't hurt. When we finally kill the Tropicana Stadium deal, it will be a combination of Oakland A's fans, the efforts, their efforts, and John Fisher's ineptitude. So they want to build a stadium where the current Tropicana Hotel sits, which is on the corner, southern corner of the Las Vegas Strip. It's close to the airport, if you're familiar with the area. It's a really small site. It's about the size of the Target Field site in Minneapolis, about nine acres. So they're not even counting on parking. They're just going to plop the stadium there. Stadium's roughly just under $2 billion. No one's crazy about the idea except for the A's and the ownership at MLB. They're going to have to get signatures, though. That's the thing. It has to go. They're going to do the injunction first, then they want to do a public referendum, but they need 100,000 signatures. It may not happen. The stadium's supposed to open in 2028, so they got four years to figure it out. If they can't do it, Fisher, who says he doesn't want to sell, he wants to move to Las Vegas because, listen, he saw what the Raiders got there. He wants to put this team in Vegas, easier to recruit, gets a brand-new stadium out of it, and he's got a legacy project. But they're having struggles with the money. The land is already there. The deal is they can't move from the land. So a little bit of a backstory: They're going to knock down this hotel. It's scheduled for demolition anyway. But if they move, they lose the public funding. So this is kind of the Hail Mary if the athletics and they want to build this stadium in Las Vegas. They have to stay with that site. But the longer the funding gets held up, the longer we don't start seeing action, it gets worse for that situation. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. But there's a possibility that the A's might not be tied to Las Vegas as we think they are. All right, finally here, if you didn't hear about this, this is a great uh, this is a great story. I'm just going to put it out there because it's funny. Because having coached youth sports, being around youth sports for a long time, and those of you moms and dads out there, soccer moms, sports moms, sports dads and whatnot, you know all about the post-game pizza party. The Toronto Raptors are getting a post-game pizza party. About three months ago, their head coach, Darko uh, Rajakovic, promised his players a dinner if they would win three games in a row. Well, they scored three games in a row, and they started chanting pizza. Oh, the, Not the fans, the, the players started chanting pizza. So three games in a row coach challenged him three months ago and it was a joke he's like listen we got to string something together we're a young team again we're rebuilding but this is how we get things going they got a lot of rookie contributions and all of a sudden the toronto raptors will now have a pizza party and if you're familiar with being north of the border in canada the big chain up there is called boston pizza which i can't explain it but that's exactly what it is
2: that's so perfect drake can easily go to a pizza party That, that just fits so well for him